Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the drink talking with the thinking drinkers. Ben McFarland and Tom Sandon, and mistress of wine, Sam Capon. All the booze, news and views, from absinthe to Zinfandel. Just imbibers. Hello everybody, welcome to It's The Drink Talking, this is happening once again, my name is Ben McFarland, I'm one half of The Thinking Drinkers, the other half of The Thinking Drinkers is next to me, his name is Tom Sandham, say hello Tom. Hello, I'm here, I'm here. Good, hey. Sam Caporn, the mistress of wine, a master of wine, only 300 and so, 60 odd, 60 odd. it's probably growing, have they lowered the barrier to entry? They must be. Is it a bit like A-levels? Like, do they have a thing like, oh, it was so much easier this year? I imagine yeah. it gets harder because there are more wines. But well, I've only sat at the one, so mm. I can't really comment, and I'm not on the examination Is it like a driving test? If you, if you fail it, can you do it again? Yeah, again and again and again. And you but, hit it first time? Yes, actually. Thanks for mentioning it. Under 1% of people do, actually. Yeah, I can imagine. So it's quite, it's generally tough. quite tough. So um, I did get the exams first time. Oh, good. But, um, All right, that's enough. Yeah. That's yeah. enough now. <laughs> yeah, the Wine Spirits and Education Trust do a spirits test takes two days yeah 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 no, actually that has got harder since yeah, yeah. Sat when I sat it it's really really tough now generally I think it has got harder I think they've made the diploma harder to make it less of a transition from the diploma up to the master of wine and throughout the years they've definitely made it harder like you didn't have to do a dissertation now you do they've introduced some new papers into the theory section well I started Boring. that I started I that podcast with quite a lot of energy and <laughs> yeah. sucked out of it <laughs> Just you asked the bloody question. I know, just yes or no answer would have been good. <laughs> Never mind. What's going on, Ben? What's well, going on in your uh, world? What's made you angry? There's two things. And what's turned made. you on? What's turned me on? Well, it's called spit or swallow, and my spit is going to be pubs. Can people start going to the bloody pub, please? Ooh. Because they're all closing, and apparently between... I sent you a link for that. Did you get it? Yeah, I did. Thanks. Is that, Thanks, what that was That was our little secret. <laughs> <laughs> now... Stop going to artisan coffee chains and buying crap cups of brown muck. If you're going to work in a coffee shop on your little laptop, do it in a pub, buy some beer because there are 35 million fewer pints were sold in pubs between July and September this year as opposed to last year. Crikey. That's a lot of pints. That's the worst figures in five years. And pubs are closing... They're getting hammered left, right and centre. Business rates, oh, I'm not going to go into business rates, it's more boring than talk of diplomas, <laughs> but business rates are 
in many, many cases, absolutely caning pubs because business rates are sort of calculated every every few years, I think about every 10 years, I think, roughly. And to cut a long story short, dull one, business <laughs> rates are based entirely on how much money a pub makes and then they go, right, you make this much money, you've got to contribute to please they need to do that cleaning. every year don't they well they, they should do yeah. but also the especially way pubs, if there's 35 million less yeah but they've changed sold. the criteria a little bit on how these are judged and it's not been favourable for pubs mm. and in more and more these big brands are taking all their shops out into industrial sort of out town shopping zones and so are not getting hit with those business rates and so the people picking up the can are small businesses on the high street that keeping communities alive, pub of which pubs are integral. And, I mean, for instance, Tom, there was a place in St Albans, a pub called The Boot. Yeah, I know, Do you the, know boots. the Boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Proper old traditional building as well. That's Traditional St. building? Did you say that? It's an old building. Uh, yes, know. it's a traditional building. It's got four walls and a roof. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, got, it has a door. <laughs> so the pub's business rates increased by 280%. That's got to be on rateable value of the, yeah. the space, though. The, yeah, yeah. The I mean, but St Albans' house price has gone up. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they've gone to paying from 14 grand a year, business rates, to 53 grand Christ. And that's now, a lot that's of pints of beer right, you need to sell to is, cover that. Do you know how many? Uh, how many? That's 35 amazing. million? No, 22,000 pints he's got to sell, sell extra. More. Extra. But he's opposite the Fleur de Lis which is a pub where Simon Evans used to drink. Oh, yeah. you remember he said that? And then it's opposite another pub called The Vintry, which is a pub no more, because we used to drink in there, and they turned well, it into it. a coat. Because oh, oh, a coat. Actually, early bird special in the coat. A coat <laughs> and a boot. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> and it was a vestry. So oh, quick, yeah. two yeah. quick questions then. Actually, just one quick question. Yeah. Why... It's not has. quick, is it? Hurry up. But why has it gone up so much? Why have they yeah, been valued it so right. much? Why has it gone from 15 to 50? It's missing. I That's blame nuts. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why. And what I find depressing is that when these pubs have gone, they're gone. Mm. There's a pub near me that's closed. It is, oh, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it was a well-renowned place to get crystal meth, heroin and crack. <laughs> and, and now, now it's you, gone. Now, now it's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> and quite frankly, what a, what a, where, where am I going to get it? Yeah. And the, the communities um, is suffering. No, I mean, those pubs like that, okay, probably deserve to change hands or close down. You go into the town centres and there's pubs that during the day are totally empty. You go into a coffee shop and it's packed mm. and people are fighting over plugs and working and all the yummy oh, mummies there. You know, there is a go- reason for that, though. What? Why? What is the reason? Alcohol. You people can't, are, you can't are, be just sitting caning have, beers in the middle of the day and trying to get some work done. Well, drinking a pint well, not only that. I'm just saying, go, go and have a coffee. Wow. I like the go pub. and have, have a, a coffee, coffee in a pub. This is as much to do with pubs not doing things to attract the coffee crowd, but the pub that won the Observer Pub of the Year has a hairdresser in there it's got coffee mornings it really is, I think it's a post office I, as well that's a really well, good that's a, um, that is a responsibility office, on yeah. the shoulders of the pub absolutely of I, you know what absolutely. in terms pubs of sweating more, um, maybe, yes. as part of in terms of sweating a space I think that's a really interesting point because there's a um, place in my village and they really are smart they do coffees and pastries mm. in the day they do lunch and they were just doing beers initially now they do food they do crochet lunches they do Cuban dancing they've got bands yeah. poetry but, evenings but it's a centre of the community yeah, again yeah. so there's something for everyone that's kind of where but they're then, coming from but then originally. also you've just got to 
even if you do all that, if you really work hard to create all these, to fill the pub throughout the day, if you're getting hit with a massive Massive, hike rate, hiking business mm. rates rather and do you think that's a london centric thing no i think it, i mean some rates are coming down some pubs are paying less because the rateable value is is reduced but the ones that are being hiked up are being hiked up massively and it is a problem in the lib dems God uh, love them. Well, I, you yeah, know, we're they're right back in fashion these yeah, days yeah yeah <laughs> but they've tabled a motion where they want to cap rises to 12.5%. I know this is not great listening, folks, but it's <laughs> important because it's not just... We all love it's not having just a the small businesses. Mm. And in light of this, the, yeah. the is it the Paradise Papers? Is that what they're mm-hmm. called? Yeah. Yep, yep, you know, yep. you just think everyone's getting battered. Yeah. And the people who can't afford it, and they're the lifeblood of the communities. And, you know, there's people who are lonely and pubs are good places for people to go they are hubs of communities Mm. and they need to be even from a historical perspective we need to be going look we can't let these things go Mm. and i know some blood splattered tanking house full of crystal meth Mm. then okay maybe that's fine (laughs) well the best thing to do is to perhaps put a tax on crystal meth or just turn that into a nero (laughs) yeah turn that into a nero so i just think it's yeah we'll just go to the pub because if we don't do it no one will there's a nero opposite a pub a fuller's pub that does good coffee mm. and the idea that that Nero where you can't get a seat in the mornings that people would go across to the Fullers is alien to them so the first mm. step might be just see what your local pub is doing and if your thing is coffee I mean they've got an incredible coffee machine in there mm. with people who are trained to use it there's no doubt that their coffee is good and they can make have they got a kitchen where they can make an business. actual bacon sandwich not one of yeah. those packet Ooh. things that's just delivered on mass to yeah. Nero's around the UK the thing is Tom we don't need another Nero. We don't need, <laughs> we need another Nero. So there we are, pubs. Go to them, <clears> they're <throat> nice. That's essentially my uh, okay. spit. Wow. And Love stop it. taxing them and just making Leave their lives alone. difficult. Yes. Nothing if not a pioneer. Enough already. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my swallow is monks. Monks. We're going to get some monkey business back in the brewing scene in Britain now. Dorothy. My legend of liquors amongst today. Well, that's wow. fine. Have you been copying me? No, no, no. Well, Jesus well if, if I have been, <laughs> then you're going to have to change it. Um, because historically, monks and nuns brewed beer in Britain until Henry VIII had a bit of trouble with the ladies. He did, he did. Dissolution um, of the monasteries, 1536. Too much kissing. Just too much Well, actually, it was 1536 to 1541. It was a five-year process. It took quite a while to kill <laughs> those yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of shit. It's it's efficient. Efficient. It's a lot of iconoclasm. Yeah, so he ruined it all, and brewery went into the hands of the lay people. And He was uh, probably a bit of a knobhead. I think there'd yeah. be a few of his lady friends hashtag yeah, me, me too. Yeah, big time. Let's not make light of that. That's not no, we're not, we're not. They, he actually killed them. I'm not as bad. Yeah, yeah but I mean, back there, different times. You different know, we've all done it. Different <laughs> Cut their heads times. Off. I mean, they do nag. Just, just. <laughs> yeah, There's one easy way to stop that. But anyway, it means that brewing is no longer done by monks. However, there is a monastery in Leicestershire called the Abbey of Mount St. Bernard, mm. which is not an instruction <laughs> for any... People who are into that kind of thing. Bernard, you don't Mouse hear that and name. So it's an, it um, must be an older. You don't hear the name Bernard no. any more than you do. No, no, no. Desmond, Desmond, or what? Ben, Des- yeah, or Keith's, or, or, or Nigel's. Nigel's, Nigel's. Yeah. So they've been given mm. 
the green light by the local authority to build a brewery within the walls of the monastery. So wow. they could become the next Trappist brewery. They're replacing a dairy that was closed due to falling milk prices, which is as utterly ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was mooted that they were going to be freezing the price on milk, but that hasn't happened. So oh, milk nice. is simply isn't <laughs> a cash cow that I one was. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Did well, you milk. just come up with that on the hoof? <laughs> no, of course yes, he didn't. Did. Oh, oh, come on, Sam. That's, good. that's, that's just... Yeah. Um, Ted? Yes, are they, uh, <laughs> yes. on the back for Ben. <laughs> yes, for those pubs. Thanks. Very good. Um, so they're going to build a brewery, and they could become the 12th Trappist brewery in the world. This is a Trappist beer, and a Trappist beer means you have to brew the beer within the walls of the monastery mm. when they're using the old bit for the dairy. They have to be brewed by monks... They're there. They have to be brewed by monks. By monks. They have to be genuine monks. You can't just farm some people in, stick them in no, a cross No, I don't think it is. It's not exclusively, but monks have to be How do integral. they know they're real monks? Well, they, they've got like a habit. <laughs> <laughs> they're a ball patch. Quiet. They look like Gargamel. <laughs> they don't say um, much. <laughs> if they fulfil those criteria and have to give money from the profits from the sales of those beers to good causes and for the upkeep of the monastery. So Is that the same with all Trappist profits? Yes, as in there aren't know, any? To qualify across the board as a yeah, Trappist yeah. beer. But it's not so the beer. monks basically do the brewing and make the beer to basically farm that cash back into good causes. Yeah, good causes. But also to, good, to maintain... It's a shout out for but it's also Trappist beer. Right? It's, not, it's, not, it's not entirely so much as they use it for the upkeep of the monastery and for as their a, living expenses as well. So And then what's left is goes into... Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they can't be spending that much. Mm. No, have you the seen? Tuck, they've got a tuck shop. Some Catholic churches recently. They feel quite podgy, though, aren't they? Yeah, monks. Yeah. <laughs> they are quite yeah, fat chaps. So they obviously have a good diet of. Yeah, but so probably do. But all they right. are praying a lot. It's quite sedentary. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> so they could become the twelfth Trappist monastery in the world. They're building a brewery, and oh then they're going to get the guys in and go. Look, we're going to brew this beer. By us within the walls of the monastery, we're going to give some money to a dolphin orphanage or whatever, yeah. and it's going to be good. And then they're going to get the accreditation, and then we're going to have a Trappist beer back in the UK. Wow! There's currently no Trappist beer. No, in the there's UK. there's uh, how many are there outside the sort of Belgium? Six in Belgium. So you've got Vesselateren, which is kind of considered the, uh, the, the sort of the, the best. The that's, most the, I've exclusive. Been there. that's the silent monks. The Orval, Rochefort, Westmal, Chenay, oh, no, and Achel. Uh, two in the Netherlands, La Trappe and Zundert. And then there's one in Austria, Italy and US. There's even one in America. Oh, there is. Spencer. Okay. So this isn't that. But you can make this. There's Trappist makeup and there's Trappist cheese. Trappist makeup? Yeah. What do they test it on? I don't know. Orphans? <laughs> Rabbits? Mice. They probably mice. got it on mice. Yeah, I don't the know. The monks. I imagine well, get stuck in. Do you need in? to test makeup on anything? Yeah. Of course you bloody do. You can't put it on your skin. Do they test it on each other? That's what I'm getting at. Because <laughs> they are Maybe. wearing dresses. They are. they are forward-thinking characters, yeah. these monks. So anyway... I wouldn't okay. be rushing to buy a Trappist lipstick. No, I mean, I wouldn't I say... I mean, were they making that in the monastery? I think we've probably... I don't we're know. at a thread that Ben yeah. hasn't done his homework yeah, yeah, yeah. on. He could even have misread that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I could have been made up. I don't know. Like, like the, that, <laughs> There's no foundation for no, that story. No, yeah, that's yeah. good. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lippy. Plucking, um, you're plucking it loose yes. there. there. No, so, well, I think that's excellent. So, yes, um, so I'm, which is quite exciting. That's good. I'm and really into that. So, they're sort of originally Benedictine, they're called Bernard Beer 
Did you know the you know St Bernard dog that mm. thing with the um, the gorgeous fluff, big massive mountain yeah, it's it's a dog. A bit of an urban myth isn't yeah. it? it is a myth they never mm. did um, carry their whiskey around because uh, it's or brandy because it would dehydrate people in yeah. those situations um, so there you go anyway right so um, it's all going to be downhill from there after my bit but let's keep Try just trudging through let's just keep I'll battling on because I'm going to taste something that's going to bring us back okay from the when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is It's the Drink Talking. We are tasting tequila! Arriba. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know, is that a bit... It's cliched at the moment. It's a bit of a lazy stereotype. Sorry, tequila, because tequila is much more refined than that. Tequila is having its moment in the sun. Again. Oh, it just yeah. keeps yeah. on going. Yeah, sorry. Tequila, bad reputation. What do we think tequila of tequila? Tequila Mockingbird is what I keep uh, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What uh, do you think of tequila? I don't like it at yes. all. Yes, brilliant. We've got, we've got someone to convert. We yeah. will convert you, Sam. I, Why don't I, you like it? To my mind, it comes with a um, side portion of salt, lemon and vomit. Yeah, okay. And shame, well, I imagine, on your, in yeah, your shame. deep shame. But at least you probably don't remember it. Because you've probably Shouse. had it at the end of a night and you've had, been drinking and someone suggests it right at the end of the night. Let's have a, let's have a shot uh, of tequila. Well, largely, although I have to admit, I've got a new gaggle of mum friends because my son's at school and there are some real tequila queens in okay. that crowd and the tequila comes out surprising early before dinner. Yeah. And the fact that tequila is even in these conversations is is one of the the reasons it's had such a poor reputation over the last 50 years really in this country because it's, it's a it's a binge it's just, drinking it's seen it's associated with a moment in your drinking yeah. diets that's just so inappropriate it's had to do a lot of hard work since the 1950s tequila to try and change that around and to be fair it's been sold cheaply and it's been drunk in that way but there's been a lot of work by the industry over there to 
build a sort of set of rules and regulations about how it's produced and improve the quality of it so that Question. now we should be reappraising this spirit. Uh, so, yeah, so two things again. One, so obviously tequila made well mm. and in an artisan way is for drinking slowly and enjoying, not yes. just mm. as a shot. And I wonder why tequila, like I'd never go to the pub or you wouldn't be in a bar and have a shot of rum. Which you know, it, it comes down to price. Yeah. And, Why uh, is it tequila? Is it because it's, it's, what, I, it's got spirit? it's got this vibe as a party spirit, hasn't it? And uh, and but it was priced in a way that made it accessible to everyone at the end. I, I think Sambuca came in after tequila, really, and took that moment. Uh, and we have a drinking culture in this country as well, which seemed to dictate that at the end of the night we would we'd had our capacity of ten pints or two bottles of wine, and we couldn't drink any more of that, so we needed a shot of something. Mm. And it was just there. It was it was affordable, and people just went to it. They liked to mix it with the lime. And it was a ritual, a mm. ritual that the Mexicans have never, oh, really? never indulged in. So I wonder where that whole salt and lemon thing came from. Well, they, I mean, the idea of having salt and citrus around your tequila is is not completely alien. It's just that in terms of licking a, mm. some salt and lime at the same time, I mean, they would have it next to a, a shot of uh, tomato sangrita. Sangrita, yeah. Mm. So, so they would they would mix it with savory as well. It's a sweet product. Not a lot of people think of it not. as sweet. The agave plant well, it's, it, it's at is at the heart of this. Yes. Today, tequila is, is still made with the agave at the heart of it, the blue uh, agave. These blue agaves have to specifically be used in the production of it. They're grown in limited areas. And is, it, is, um, is um, tequila always from Mexico? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they're great. The, in fact, the, the blue agave have to be grown in very specific parts of Mexico. Jalisco is the, a place called Tequila. Yes. Yeah, there is. There's a town yeah. called Tequila. See, I never knew that. There This is sort of the heartland of where all the producers are based. So the, the Tequila town is where a lot of the producers are based, and this is in the centre of the Jalisco region where the agaves uh, predominantly grow. Today we're going to have two highland tequilas. Uh, there's other, another region called the lowland region of Jalisco, and both of those regions create something different in terms of the agaves, so different amounts of sugar. A lot of sugar in the agaves, they're baked. Traditional methods are still used in a lot of production, though. They have a tahona stone, which will then crush these agaves in some instances which used to be pulled around by a horse and tractors as well these days more so than animal cruelty and so there's a lot of rugged rustic artisan techniques still used all these agaves picked by hand by the himadors <laughs> himadors, <laughs> himadors. Uh, they, they are very sexy they, men they can are pick they? up to a hundred oh. of these things a day <coughs> which I mean we've what makes both them sexy? Had a, well just um, tough oh they're big they're big blokes. Mexicans mm. like you know what, what makes so a Mexican the, man unsexy he's big and tough he's got a big moustache Oh, Have you both cute. been? Yeah, yeah, we've both had a go at picking them, and yeah. they're very, oh, very man. different. They grow over seven years, these things, and they have spiny leaves, and the leaves are very, like very sharp. Mm. They look a bit like mm. in that respect, and that's why people think they are a cactus, but they're not. They're a flowering plant, but they cut the flower off to keep the sugars all within the bulb mm. of the plant. And then they have to cut off these really sharp, I mean, they're razor-sharp spines on the leaves. And so they have, like, these big shim pads. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they it's do like a big it. They pizza do. Cutter. It's, it's it's very hard work, especially in the middle of a baking 
son in Mexico and we both of us have had a go at this and managed a couple of leaves in about an hour and they <laughs> so, do a hundred of these things so prickly it's really <laughs> thrilling I was like oh and, ow and, and their tool is so Ouchie. sharp uh, so yeah go to 100% agave tequilas which means they've used 100% uh, and how would blue you know agave because it, it will on say it on the bottle it has to say mm. it if it's a proper tequila 100% agave you can see it on the oh, yeah. bottle here we've got Don Julio Puro d'agave yeah and the Ocho tequila both of them 100% 40% agave. alcohol yeah go with 100% agave because you're going to get a lot of the agave flavors and agave is delicious so the first thing we're going to have is Ocho as in the number 8 Ocho tequila it's produced by Carlos Camarena and he's a very important man in the tequila industry third generation tequilero and he partnered up with a guy called Thomas Estes who's the European ambassador of tequila and has done a hell of a lot of work we're fans mm. of Thomas he's done a lot of work to promote tequila and to raise um, awareness and yeah. stop people abusing it, essentially. Yes. So he's worked with Carlos and to create this, and it's single estate tequila. Now, what that means is we talk a bit about terroir in tequila, highland, lowland. Highland are going to be a slightly sweeter tequila, lowland a bit more earthy. But he goes to different fields, plants his agaves in different fields. Why, are you, and why then, is it sweeter if you're <clears> higher up? Because the air's thinner. It's about 2,000 feet above sea level. So the agave, much like grapes, has to work a bit, a bit harder. harder. So it produces more residual sugars. But he goes to different fields. So this is a reposado tequila. And what it means is that depending on the harvest and what he gets out of it, it will vary. Uh, vintages, if you like. Uh, which does mean that there's a bit more thought going into it, a bit more of a conversation about it. It's not just a mass-produced tequila. And we're going to try reposado because I thought I did come in here thinking, Sam, you are possibly mm-hmm. not going to be a fan. So, sorry, Reposado is like a vintage. <clears throat> it's, a, no, it's a quality sorry. thing. Ocho is the vintage tequila brand. They're mm. doing vintages. No one else is really doing okay. this. Uh, Reposado is the category of tequila. So it's been aged. It's been oh, okay. rested. And what's the deal with the worm? There's is that no just, worm. There's no worm. But what's, no the, no why, what's the history of that? And, well, we I mean, just, sure it was put in there that. to prove that the actual lava, which is what it mm. is, of a blight that would attack the agaves, right. was put in there to show that it had a certain percentage of alcohol so that it wouldn't deteriorate, so you could look at your bottle and oh, know okay. that it was a quality alcohol uh-huh. level. So, yeah, the stories about it making you hallucinate, etc., are... Nonsense. Total bullshit. Uh, So this is a reposado. So that means it's been aged. Aged for a minimum of two months in oak. This ocho has been aged for eight weeks and eight days, I believe they say. Now, smell it. What do you Mm. get on the nose? What's what's Kind of piney. Yeah, a little bit of pine, from probably from the American oak. I just smell tequila. It must be how people would start tasting wine. I just smell wine. I now have utter sympathy. It's like, I I just smell tequila and a bit of pine. I think that's a really lovely floral... I think it's got peach in there. Yeah, it's almost almost honeyed as well because it's really promising something What I would say is I'm more surprised by the viscosity. Yeah, okay. Mm. Well, Mm. it's it's got nice texture. Yeah. Uh, Have you tasted it? I've taken the world's smallest sip. You haven't been been sick. You haven't been sick. Come on, Sam. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of depth of flavour to this. We could have gone in on Blanco. This is the first time we've done tequila on the podcast, but I wanted to introduce you to something that's just had a bit of time in it. But also, it doesn't have any of that shudder factor you get with this. None at all. I have to admit, I've barely put it to my lips. I'll have a proper sip. And not only that, it's just, yeah, there's a smoothness to it as well. Mm. And it's got a bit of heat. But at no point do you just think, oh... Mm. Well, I tell on, you what, Sam, that, Sam, yeah, Sam. you know what? 
Oh, yeah, right, okay. Okay, you get him there. That's quite interesting. Oh, get the spice and the finish. Yes. Given the fact that I actually hadn't swallowed it before, <laughs> I'm entirely honest. <laughs> that does help. I, mean, I had just put it to my lips. That's think, all right, I'm going to have another sip. I'm okay. Sorry. I think the beauty of it is it tastes of agave, doesn't it, Ben? Mm. That's what I, that I get. It's yes. actually, rather than tasting of something... I do get the shudder. I yeah. do still get the shudder. But that's um, got more to do with your But it could be psychological. <laughs> it could be a psychological reaction. Oh, okay. The two th- yeah, my two takeouts on that are love the smoothness. I like the mm. sweetness. I like the glycerine. Mm. And now I've actually dared to swallow any, I would say like the spice. I can now pick up the oak. Brilliant. I think we're getting there. And and we started with that one. Very it's a pleasant bit, you know, aftertaste as well. Can okay. you imagine that mm. sat on a, uh, a veranda... In Mexico, mm. some guacamole, tortilla chips. More cliches, ladies and gentlemen. Or gun licking, in your holster. Licking gun, out the guns s- in the sky. Or a Mexican picker. Yep. You're disgusting. Um, <laughs> sort of looking at a bedraggled donkey in your yard. No, but, and also drinking that. Yeah. Be, it's really I mean, nice and chilled. It's, it's, I totally um, get it. Yeah. And this kind of good gear would only be drunk... Pure. I think you, you can never learn from that. We say because we squeeze do, a lime in with, or? Our, with our shows. We do a lot of neat spirit tasting, and all we're asking, I think, for people who listen to us, is mm. to try it neat first. Mm. Then you can do whatever you like with it. But I think if you try it neat first, it's actually surprised. quite tasty. <clears throat> okay, well, you're going to step up onto the Don Julio now. Oh. Don Julio. Which has spent a little bit more time in oak. And I wanted Bebida. to start with the Ocho because it's been eight weeks. And this Don Julio's. Oh, it's got a colour. Well, yeah, because it's been eight months. Ooh. Eight months in the oak. Um, oh, it smells much more mellow and hun- like honey oh, and spice. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, it, honey! I get honey. Brilliant. Okay, so we're stepping up, and and this is only the reposado. So this is I've tried to be a bit of a range within the reposado category, and you step up again into añejo, and that will spend a minimum of twelve months in into what? añejo. 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 I've been watching Narcos, but I like they all have deep voices. Mm. Bibida. Tequila. Except when they say tequila. Yeah. That's got to be said in a very high pitched voice. We're still not going in a good direction with this. Don Julio, (laughs) anyway. Don Julio was a man. Uh, He's sadly no longer with us. Died relatively recently. He is a pioneer of the world of tequila. He uh, came to tequila with ideas on agriculture and started growing as a agave is a certain distance apart because he wanted to give them more exposure to sunshine this was seen as quite a pioneering process he wanted to get the heart of the piña 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 which is the bulby part of the agave that they roast he slow roasted them 72 hour cycles lots of passion about his piñas and then he spent he had beautiful piñas bearing in mind he puts them in in an American oak barrels for 8 months that's 4 times what the sort of the industry standard would be so as a result should have a bit more influence of the wood maybe a bit more mellow maybe a bit more elegant uh, maybe a little bit more sweeter they also in both cases actually and the Camarena family are, f- are famous for using wild yeast strains as excite you and they use their own propriety yeast strain another thing to say about those mixed doses they might use a sort of standard industry yeast these guys they look after their yeast they're very passionate about yeast as well so Don Julio goes to all these extra lengths it's in a beautiful bottle as well can I just say quickly pricing like is tequila expensive good tequila is expensive in as much as you're going to pay between 30 and 40 pounds for a good bottle of reposado however that tequila comes for about 23 pounds it's in only in a 50 cl the ocho only in a 50 cl and the Don Julio 
I don't know what that retails for. It will be more expensive. That Don Julio spent eight months in American barrels. It takes seven years to grow one agave plant. They need quite a hefty amount of them just to make one bottle of tequila. So if you think about that, they're hand-picked agaves, which takes a hell of a lot of effort. And they squeeze them? They they bake them, them. then they Mm, crush them. So, I mean, if you're going to pay 40 quid for a bottle of anything and you want stories and real artisan commitment to it, tequila is one of the few Mm. genuine categories. Also, if you go there, it's amazing because the soil there in the region in Jalisco is this bright sort of reddish soil and then you've got these really bright blue agave plants and how and big are the plants looks, and then they grow, they're massive they're, well the, the bulb itself I mean you wouldn't be able to lift but the leaves are you wouldn't like, be able to lift I can lift but you're yeah. a woman um, <laughs> but the leaves are just they, they're just the so ladies, ladies are, I mean, they're not, it's not work for girls no. Um, <laughs> no but they are they're huge things I could lift them but then I am as strong as a lady but they are they're, they are um, they're not kept as like a fork shaped mm. There's a picture. We'll put a picture on uh, yeah. on, um, on oh, our ins- Instagram with our hashtag. It's the drink talking. So if, if people want to see that, is all right. It, thanks, I Tom. preferred the first one. <laughs> you preferred the first one. Interesting. Well, we haven't actually talked about the flavour of the Don oh, Julio. Okay, Just come to on say then. for listeners, Look, uh, soft, I get more elegant. shudder reaction to the second one. It's got the oaky parts. It's got caramel in there. Best served neat. So that's Don Julio. And I Nacho. liked both. I think it showed just in two tequilas. The kind of differences you can have, and they're they both available are, on whiskeyexchange.com. So, yeah, if and again, if you can go to Mexico and see how they drink it there, then it's suddenly you get an epiphany where you go, "Oh, I see now." That's good gear. That's good gear, and uh, again, and when you bring it back, it's like, "Wow, still this good feels, gear. This is still good gear." It's yeah. not Uzo. No, it's not Uzo. <laughs> so, thank you, Tom. I think that's not going to be the only tequila tasting we do because I no, think there's I think so much to explore we'll step back to Blanco and we'll get to Añeco and Extra Añeco where you're paying yeah. £100 plus a bottle so don't yeah, worry we'll get, yeah, yeah. forget some of the stuff I drink on private jets <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't want to waste that on you no, just yet so thank you very much that was informative and entertaining and it Amazing. made me a little bit shit faced yes. <laughs> yes quite strong quite strong okay Sam now it's your yeah. turn to tell everyone about a legend of liquor and mm-hmm. I just hope it's not about monks because we've already done monks <laughs> oh, in that podcast. Oh, oh God, is it about monk? It's monk related. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's Don Perignon. No, <laughs> oh. You could argue was a monk. Was he or was he a um, hermit? No, he was a monk. Oh, um, all right. Well, it's, it's not <laughs> arguing, there yeah. he was. It was a very uh, brief slash, argument. Well, it's kind of two, slash, actually. Yeah, okay, oh. if there's time. Slash Christopher Merritt. <laughs> Christ- I do need a slash. <laughs> no, I need a slash. I was just thinking that. Um, moving on. Um, so, have you boys heard of a guy called Christopher Merritt? M E R R E T. No, you could always no. add Not an extra T on as well. No. So, basically, this is all about the origins of sparkling wine and who discovered actually putting the fizz, putting the sparkle into mm. champagne or sparkling wine. So, making mm. it sort of commercial and keeping it rather than the idea that fermentation brings carbonation. So who, who, who bottled it? Who, yeah, who so basically, like, who's credited thing? with the invention of, sort of sparkling, wine? sparkling wine? And mm. um, basically, it's pretty much Dom Perignon. He is who has been largely credited with the invention of champagne throughout the years. But actually, I think that's been proven to be a load of bollocks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's a great marketing tool. It's an amazing story. It's quite romantic. Obviously, the top prestige cuvee at Moet is named uh, Dom Perignon after Dom Perignon. 
But actually, it wasn't him. It was a guy in England about 30 years before who managed to write a paper that he presented to the Royal Society in 1662 called Some Observations Concerning the Ordering of Wines. Fascinating title. So fascinating. I instantly <laughs> <laughs> forgot. It's with no emotion whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think I know what you said. Really. It was just blah, blah, and, blah, um, blah, blah. Where he talked about adding sugar and molasses to make wines drink brisk and sparkling. So oh. i.e. how to make wines fizzy. But interestingly, there's a guy who um, was part of the same order, I guess, as Don Perignon, you know, years later, who basically big-upped sort of Don Perignon and spun this whole kind of backstory about him to try and kind of throw light and kudos onto the monastery. But actually, Don Perignon was amazing, but back in the day when he was alive in the 17th century, Champagne still produced still wines and largely still red wines. And he was really good at kind of... um, making them better but actually you didn't want them to re-ferment and what was what was happening was wines would sometimes accidentally re-ferment because the fermentation wouldn't be finished in autumn it looked like the wines had finished but there was still some yeast in there that had gone to sleep and then in the spring the weather would warm up the ah, yeast would reawaken from moving. their dormancy re-ferment produce the carbon dioxide and there'd be like explosions Pop. all over the in winery the summer. But so, it would have been a disaster, and it's before the Industrial Revolution, so the glass was quite thin. Oh, and you know, okay. and this, was a, this was a nightmare. And actually, they were trying to work out ways of how to not to make this happen. I so, see, because I, I now I've got this romantic idea that it just happened by accident, and everyone suddenly started popping corks and was really enjoying themselves. But actually, they had mouthfuls well, of glass, so it wasn't yeah. quite so good. And again, there's another interesting story, which I think has been slightly made up. So there's a sparkling <laughs> wine called... Don't let that spoil it, <laughs> yeah. no. There's a sparkling wine called Blanquette de Lemoux, so from the Lemoux region, France. And Blanquette de Lemoux is pretty much documented even before Christopher Merritt, the English guy, as being the oldest sparkling wine. Isn't Lemoux quite famous for its cows? I'm going to ignore that. But interestingly, there's Benedict monks at the Abbey in Saint-Hilaire in the 16th century. And again, this guy weaved the story that Don Perignon had gone there and learnt how to make sparkling wines, gone back to Champagne, and that's how Champagne became Champagne. Right. But I think we can safely say now that's not really what happened. Oh. And the whole Don Perignon saying, come quickly, I'm I'm seeing the stars, which is, which is the, whole, <laughs> the, whole lovely, the whole lovely quote, no come quickly, I'm seeing the stars, is, is the quote. That's my forte. But that was basically using marketing material found like in the 19th century. Yeah. So, What so, can we believe anymore, Sam? But there's a couple of legends there. Like, I think clearly Christopher Merritt, he was a scientist and a physician, and he um, was a really bright guy who not only was the first person to document the additional sugar to make sparkling wine, but he was also produced the first lists of British birds and butterflies. No way. Now, now it's all So, is is your legend Merritt? No, I think that they're both. Because it sounds like it should be. Yeah, I think it's really Christopher Merritt. It's saying, like, he was a really cool guy who, and in fact, Ridgeview Sparkling Wine have a Cuvée Merritt wine named after Christopher Merritt. And a lovely wine writer, champagne writer called Tom Stevenson was the guy who unearthed the papers about Merritt documenting this. So I just quite like the fact that he was quite... um, honest human guy mm. who now appears to be the first person to have documented sparkling wine and Don Perignon is also awesome because he did lots of stuff to try and make the wines of Champagne at that right. time better but arguably wasn't actually the first person to make no. Champagne mm. 
But I've got to say, he's benefited from his name. Dom Perignon sounds. Mm. Dom, which I think is the name for a monk, right? So oh, it's, uh, it's, not, yeah. it's not Dominic. Mm. No, he's Pierre. Pierre. Dom Pierre Perignon. So, and, whereas um, Christopher Merritt doesn't sound quite as good, does it? I mean, and, and also, like, you can't, uh, can't get away from the name, right? Like, Dom Perignon just sounds I know. Awesome. It's, yeah. it's sort of... Like, could it be Dom no. Jones? But it just yeah. wouldn't sound the same. No, no. Or Dom... It doesn't sound would have been exotic. weird for a Frenchman. Sandom. Yeah. Again. Not so good. Um, no. Just think so, of a um, standard French surname, Dom... Dupont. Dupont. Like Dom that Dupont, well. that sounds pretty good as well. Yeah, it's just the French, isn't it? They just sound sexy. Well, see, I could have had my mum's surname. What's her surname? Le Bars de Carignol. Oh, I would have got a nice. lot yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, a lot more action. Ben Le Bars de no, Carignol. No, you still would have looked like you look. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> it would have. In fact, I, would, I think you'd have just been inclined to eat more pastry <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and cheese. You'd yeah. have said, but listen to my name. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. You'd have been I'm the size of my house. I'm going to let the name do the work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't seem to like that name quite as much as I thought. So to finish off really quickly, <clears throat> there's a guy who came from the same abbey as Dom Perignon, the abbey of Hautevilliers. Hautevilliers. Uh, Dom Crusard, who basically, mm. um, you know, made the whole story up about Dom Perignon making champagne. What a clever chap. Yeah. yeah. His name yeah. not so good. Grusat. No, Grusard. G-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D. And that's no. it really. Two guys, two chaps who were very um, I tell you what, innovative. Innovative yeah. in the world of we had a podcast, yep. we were we talking about innovation. Exactly. Sparkling innovation wines. Sparkling wine. yeah. Both of them were very innovative in their own different ways. Yeah. One in England, one in France, one a household name, the name of a prestige cuvee who actually didn't do anything, and the other guy confined to the annals of the- Unknown. I've got a quick question then. So, are these guys in Champagne, are they the pioneers of sparkling wine? So, there wasn't someone at the same time doing it, the Carver wines and the Prosecco Well, no, that's wines. the thing. I think in Lemieux in France, I think Blanquette de Lemieux is widely understood to be the first sparkling wine. So, in okay. France, not in Champagne. And the whole thing is that this whole Dom Groussard was amazing because he kind of talked about Dom... Perignon and started this basically fairy tale about Don Perignon, which also gave Champagne massive kudos mm. and made Champagne like the birthplace of sparkling wine. Uh, adverts popped up. I'm starting to think these pesky French are taking the piss. I can't believe <laughs> this. So they, I mean, Champagne is not the start of sparkling wine no. any more than the, wherever Prosecco's region is. Outside Venice, yeah. Benito. So this Lemus place is Lemus. So yeah, L I M O U X. We should do a pilgrimage. And they, to and they make traditional method champagne method sparkling wines, and I think that's really where can it you started. Buy those? Yeah, 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 yeah. Really easy, really to easy, to easy to get hold of. Audi does one. Late Breaks does <laughs> one. Audi, Audi. Lots of different people do. I've, I've I, just had, okay. I think I've just start a movement in my. And what are they like? Are they? Well, they, they taste they're like delicious. Shit. <laughs> no, they're made from slightly different grapes. So where champagne sort of um, Chardonnay and um, Pinot, Pinot Noir. Noir and Meunier, it's sort of Chardonnay. Chenin is a dominant grape. And Muzak. Sweeter? Slightly sweeter? No, 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 champagne method. Does it still give you bad breath at weddings? Or? Yes. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay, well, they didn't sort yeah. that out. Yeah, well, that. so there you have it. Um, one DP. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sam. That was a good Legend of Liquor. And thank you, Tom, for your tequila tasting. And thank yeah. you, most of all, the to listeners. me. Oh. No, no, not the listeners. <laughs> To me, for uh, how are you hostings. doing with that pastry? I'm making my way through it. It's yeah. like apple turnover. It's not as good. It's a bit heavy. 
Mm. It's a bit heavy. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it's one of my five a day, so there <laughs> no, I say. You do end oh, no, up I'm... looking like your pastries, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> no, you are my heroes. indeed looking heavy. <laughs> <laughs> a bit tired. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening, folks. It's been wonderful as ever, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. 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 Bye. This was a Grand Crew podcast from Seven Digital. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.